Hi everyone, this is Danielle Prada of Sip In Soma. And during this podcast, I interview inspirational people in South Orange and Maplewood, New Jersey, who are connecting, collaborating, and contributing to our communities. The next couple of episodes that you'll be hearing from me are no different. I'm doing some special education episodes where I interview school board candidates in South Orange and Maplewood in hopes to bring you the voter a little bit more information about the candidates and help you make a more informed choice when you're voting. Remember to get out the vote on November 6th. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to chatting you up on Instagram and Facebook. Check me out at Sip in Soma. Thank you. Hi everyone, this is Danielle Prada of Sip in Soma and today I have a very special episode. I did some interviews with school board candidates for the South Orange Maplewood School District and due to conflicting schedules, I did reach out to all candidates and candidates were um, enthusiastic to participate but schedules did not align. And so I only got a handful of interviews but I still think it's a great starting place um, especially if you're trying to learn more about some candidates. So check out my interviews. Uh, today's interview is with Bruno J. Navarro, and I think that you might find it helpful just to get to know Bruno a little bit better and also hear about some of the things that are going on in the school district according to you know what we just chatted about in our conversation. So please make sure that you're getting out and you're going to be voting on Tuesday, November 6th for all of the important uh, decisions that we have to make at a federal, state, and local level. Really important to pay attention and to know what's going on um, and get informed. So to all of you out there who are listening, thank you so much. And I hope that you enjoy this interview. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle Parada from Sip and Soma. Hello out there in YouTube land. You know, everybody, I'm waving to my camera because I'm doing interviews with people from the school board, candidates for the school board. And I'm going to be putting this out there with any other candidates who join me. And I'm also going to put it on your YouTube for you guys to enjoy and uh, pass it along if you really like what you hear from a candidate. So today I have Bruno J. Navarro here. He's going to be discussing just the four top four questions I have for candidates. And then that's what you'll hear today. So Bruno, thank you so much for coming. I'm going to kind of ignore you guys, the camera wise, because I like to talk to people one on one. Um, looking at them instead of the camera. So I'm so excited that you're here today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And um, I have my top four questions. So let's dig right in. Great. First thing is, what do you think are the biggest strengths and challenges in our districts, like from your point of view? Uh, well, some of the strengths are some of the reasons that we live, that we decided to move here in the first place. Um, one of the things, obviously, is the diversity. Having grown up in Queens, I grew up with tons of people with uh, from other nationality, from other nationalities who spoke different languages, ate different foods, and you know, and I just think of how much richer my life was as a as a result of having all of those disparate influences. Um, you know, we, when we were looking for a house, we looked all over uh, pretty much a tri-state area. Yeah. Uh, we went as far as Beacon, uh, as far Northwest as Rockland County, you know, down South Suffolk County. Um, 
but it wasn't until we got to Maplewood that we that something just clicked. We went to have a, we saw a house. We decided that was the one. Our first visit here. Wow. We went to uh, we went to go have lunch at uh, downtown. I don't, I don't I don't want to yeah. promote any restaurant, but yeah. we were amazed just in the restaurant itself how diverse the the town was and so we, we thought this is this is a place where we want to raise our three kids that's great um so uh i also like how progressive the town is it's something i didn't realize until uh a little bit after we moved here and and started to see some of the facebook groups and some of the and talk to a lot of the parents and see that how many people were coming from brooklyn and i mm-hmm. it was nice to see that there was um there was a, a worldliness about it that you wouldn't expect yeah. in the middle of Essex County, or that I wouldn't have expected. Yeah. Um, uh, and how long have you lived here? Uh, just over three years. Okay. We okay. Uh, we moved here a couple of weeks after our youngest was born. So. Wow. Yeah, that was uh, this is really fun to move with a newborn. <laughs> I can't. Um, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> and uh, you know, and I think some of the challenges are. Um, sort of keeping up with the changes that the community is going through. I mean, this is, this isn't unique to South Orange and Maplewood, but I think you're having an influx of people, you know, it's, it's almost cliche how many people are coming from Brooklyn. Um, that's not, that's not new, right? but, um, things are turning over and schools are getting crowded. And, um, we were, uh, we were zoned for Clinton and we went on the second day of registration and found out that it had filled up. And so this, the reason, part of the reason we bought our house was because we could, we thought we could walk to elementary school. Um, our daughter had just over a year to go, um, but we figured this would be a good place to, to sort of set, set up camp. Yeah. And we filled up and we were bewildered because, you know, after hearing all the horror stories from New York City public schools um, and their zoning issues and their overcrowding issues, we didn't expect it to happen here. Um, and so, you know, my first instinct obviously was outrage. And then I thought, well, let's go see some of the other schools. We ended up going to Marshall. Absolutely love it. You know, the community's great. The teachers were fantastic. Um, and we had a, uh, you know, my daughter had an amazing experience and she loved it and she had friends. And so even though a spot opened up later for us at Clinton, we decided to take her. I mean, it's a six minute drive. It's not... You know, it's not a, an undue burden. Right, right. Um, uh, so I think um, I think it's important to me with two kids uh, still heading into schools um, that the district plan better for this growth. You know, yeah. there's always there's always a boom and bust cycle, but the fact that so many kids are in temporary uh, classrooms, uh, you know, at one point does it stop being temporary? They're fall- some of them are falling apart. You know, I saw the pictures from the district's report uh, from the capital improve- improvement plan of how, um, you know, they're uh, not just temporaries, but in some of the classrooms, there's you know, ceilings that are crumbling. There are boilers that look like they're from the 1800s. And, I'm really glad it's coming out. <laughs> and yeah, and you know, and the overcrowding they didn't come issue. like they didn't come like that within the last year. Right. You know, it's been a long time. Yeah. Ago. Yeah. It doesn't, that kind of stuff doesn't happen in one right. year. And my whole, my whole understanding before my kids start going through that and start experiencing, uh, you know, well, we did actually have a boiler issue at, at our school, you know, yeah. and so before our kids 
uh, head into that, I, I want to make sure that these things are being thought of in the long term, on a long term basis. We have, tw you know, 20 years of, of schooling right. that our kids are going through. And so um, it's important to me that, that we're planning correctly and that we're evaluating uh, priorities as they should be. Yeah. You know? That's great. Um, what do you think, like the people that you've spoken to or the voting public in general, what do you think they would say are the biggest challenges and strengths and, you know? Well, this is, this is another interesting point. Um, you know, you see a lot of talk about, you see in the Village Green, you see in uh, Tappan Soma. Um, I'm sorry if that's... Yeah, no, no. Your competitors, oh, but... yeah, no, it's not at all. Actually, I share my information with them. We, we're right. practically partners. But, you know, it's, it's so interesting because a lot of the issues that... Um, that they cover uh, are have to do with the high school and uh, the achievement gap and the park testing, which um, we can talk more about later. But you don't see a lot of issues about the younger grades, you know. And I, I imagine it's because the parents are uh, newer to the system, newer to the town, newer to the district, and so maybe they haven't figured out how to navigate everything. Um, a better website would help. We'll, get, we'll, get, we'll talk about that later. But, um, you know, I think those those are very important issues. You know, not to, I'm not saying that they're not. I'm just saying right. that we, we're not seeing um, parents uh, represented, uh, parents in the younger grades represented at the school board meetings. And I, and I think I would, I think I would like to change that. I would yeah. like to help change that. Um, part, you know, part of it is also the district's job of reaching, I think the district's job is um, to reach out to some of the new parents and get them up to speed. Mm -hmm. You know, the, uh, the PTAs are fantastic. Like their websites are beautiful. The volunteers are dedicated. Um, and I don't, there's such a disparity between how well run the PTAs are and then how information is transmitted from the district to parents. Yeah. You know, when I get a letter from the superintendent, I don't want to open a PDF on my phone, wait for it to download and then you know, enlarge it so that I can read across uh, an eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Um, so, I mean, there, there's so many things that, so many little things that can be done. And, you know, I've talked with so many younger, so many of the younger um, parents of younger kids. And one of the things that really struck me is the lockdown drills that they, that they do throughout the schools. Uh, my daughter, uh, maybe two days later after they had one while we were talking at dinner uh, she mentioned that they had this drill in case a wild animal came in and I understand that they have to couch it in terms like that but it ended up being very traumatic for her and two days after the fact she was crying at the, at the dinner table the more I've mentioned it to parents the more stories I hear so I have one you know I know of one parent whose kid returned to school this year and and cries every morning because this the student doesn't want to leave the parent in the morning. I've I've heard another story about um, another student who's uh, who's older who's not in who's not in first or first grade or kindergarten who was going to the restroom when they had one of the lockdown drills, didn't know what to do and was terrified and now won't go to school. Go, won't go to the bathroom at school at pickup asks the parent 
to get home as quickly as possible so they can go to the bathroom. And it breaks my heart that there's any trauma associated with the school, you know, and it just seems that some of these, some of these things weren't thought about, like nobody thought them through. And where are the psychologists? Where are the people speaking to the kids about their feelings afterward, you know, and I think it's important to validate. And this is, this is one of the, this is, I've been reading about this too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just that, you you know, people are just like, well, you just got to do the drills. And I'm like, you have to do everything that you do with anything else. You have to look at every, what is that drill doing logistically? How is it logistically working? Like dotting all the T's and I's. I work in production. Mm -hmm. Like you, everything I do has to have like a, a beginning, middle and end. And I have to look at all the components and everything around that. Like how are these like lockdown drills are like little mini productions. You have to Mm -hmm. think about how are you preparing kids for this? How are you preparing teachers for this? We don't know anything about trauma that people have experienced in their life. And we also want to prevent trauma. Like lockdown drills should the goal is to be prepared like a fire drill is, right. but like we're not preparing kids. We're really traumatizing them right. in, in, in some cases and that needs to be thought about and not, I feel there's a very dismissive sort of tone about that. Right. And I feel like you want to spend all this money on bringing in security, but you're not going to spend all the money on prevention and proactivity. Right. So it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me because we could do so much more with prevention absolutely than we could with the thinking about that the crisis happening what about right. preventing the crisis in the first place right uh, so so my background is as a as a journalist i worked for 20 years as uh, primarily as a reporter at newspapers all over the country and most recently uh, for the past almost 4 years i've been at a risk management startup firm and so uh, my job as a journalist is to go find the best experts to talk to, uh, you know, and we, we cover topics like this. And absolutely, there is a security element that needs to be in place. You do need to have an emergency plan. You do need to have an evacuation yes. plan. Yes. You know, there is a shelter in place um, aspect that needs to be addressed. And you need to, we all need to understand how to do that. Um, but the experts that we talk to also talk about the psychological aspect of identifying children who need help, of preventing these things by adding resources that that take the human element, the student element into mm-hmm. account. And so it's, you know, it's great that we have more secure doors uh, or, or that that's, you know, part of the part of the capital improvement plan. But I want to I want to see better better resources for our children on a day-to-day basis when they are going through something, when they are feeling something, when they're in trouble, when they're at risk. Right. Um, and so I think we need to have that conversation when we talk about security. It's not an either-or situation. Right. It's right. a holistic approach that, yeah. that we need to take. And I don't hear a whole lot of that. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, that brings me to the question. You told me a little bit about your background now, but why are you running? Like, what kind of... Um, propelled you to do so? Well, we had an interesting year at uh, at uh, Marshall. It was our first uh, introduction to the district. This past year? Yeah. Yeah, I know and that year. So we were... <laughs> I'd like yeah, to hear about of, it from your perspective. A, a lot of us <laughs> do. And so, you know, I, for the whole issue with uh, the principal uh, that happened near the begin- beginning of the year, um, 
Or I just least... want to say for those of you who are listening, um, I don't want to go into tons of details about that. But if you look back on the Village Green about the principal at Marshall and you want to understand the history, that's a place to start because they do have articles there. <laughs> um, granted, like with every article, you need to do more research. I would say if you're going to talk to one parent, you should talk to like 20 parents of children who have general ed needs, children who have special needs, children who are of all different diversities, of families of different diversities, and then you'll know that there's like 20 different stories out there about what happened, and there's 20 different experiences about what happened, and you'll also hear all of their their interpretations of the communication by the district about what happened. I mean, right. it's just, it, you basically it, have to be a reporter anytime right. you look at anything, right? right? Of course. and A researcher, and, I should say. Right, and, and the thing is, I, I don't need to... Um... You know, we don't need to rehash any of it, right. but, but I'm I'm just thinking, you know, the experiences that we had um, from first logging on to the website, you know, it's it's like this Byzantine yeah. website and for somebody new. Um, and there's so many I, there's so many media savvy and tech savvy people in Maplewood and it doesn't reflect the community. You right. know, it hasn't kept up with the times. It hasn't. It's not. You know, I understand we don't need to be cutting edge, but we need to at least have a basic level of functionality and design and user user experience. Um, I worked for, um, I freelanced briefly at the Banks, uh, Bank Street College of Education, working on their website redesign. Wow. And, um, and so I've had a little bit of background in, in this area also. Um, but everything from that to the controversy with the principal, you know, I'm looking at the website and I'm looking and I'm, and I'm baffled why there's no clear statement of values, why we don't understand from the home page, like what this district stands for, you know, and I and my platform, they I didn't realize I had to choose three words for a for a slogan on the um, on the ballot. But they popped into my head immediately while I was sitting at the Essex County uh, clerk's <laughs> office. And, and it was uh, transparency, accountability and dignity, you know, and I think that covers so much that they're, you know, I mean, dignity has so many, so many different aspects to it and it takes care of, it covers so many of these issues that I'm, that I'm talking about. And so the reason that I'm running primarily was, um, it was the whole lockdown drill, um, episode, I guess, you know, we, the way we heard about it, you know, and I understand that we can't, we can't have every detail about the school's plans because right. some of, some of that is part of the security the security measures but right. even the way it was dealt with afterward you know i sent a teacher i sent a message uh to the teacher to my uh my daughter's kindergarten teacher on blooms and then i'm realizing that it's not really her directive and so she can't have anything she can't there's not much she can do about right. it you know and then i and then I heard uh, the principal at Jefferson sent out a message afterward to the parents saying that, um, you know, sort of providing some guidelines for talking to your kid about this, which we would have appreciated so much having a kid in kindergarten. This is her first year. This is her, yeah. you know, her, her foray and her first foray into public education. Right. Uh, another school, I understand, did robocalling after after the fact just to inform parents that uh that this exercise took place. Um, and so I'm wondering, I was wondering as a new parent, like is, we can do, you know, is this the best we can do? 
and I don't think it is. You know, I think there's there's a lot more room for transparency around around this topic, and you know, I I think the district can be a lot more proactive in reaching out to parents, especially new parents mm. who don't know how to navigate the system, who may not know who to call at Academy Street, who you know may not um, you know may not even have the language to to know that to. Mm. Um, and so it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't just one issue. It was, it's a bunch of issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it always but, is. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the more you read about it, the more you realize, like, this is, this is an investment that we've made for the next 20 years uh, and three children, you know. So every one of these decisions is going to affect our kids, right. you know, over the long term. And so that's something that I'm extremely com- com- concerned about. Yeah. Um, you know, other board members have kids in older grades or in high school or you know, even have recent grads. And that's, that's great. You know, we, we do need a diversity, even of experience as a parent on there, you know, but the experience of a kid who is now, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old in the school system. And, you know, that's a generation that's, things have changed. Like technology is different. Security, you know, measures are different. Um, even what we know about education is different. Like, right. because we're still, because we never stop learning, we never stop understanding how we learn. Right. You know, and I want to see, I want to see a curriculum that keeps up with that, something that, you know, recognizes the individual nature of students and that promotes creativity because it has so many, I mean, it has so many other intangible effects. And, you know, studies have shown that music education can help uh, the brain rewire itself and create new pathways, sure. you know, the same way art or, yeah. or, or, you know, reading. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm concerned about all of all these things. So it's not, it's not any one thing. Yeah. No. That's great. And so, um, well, we've done a really good job <laughs> staying in our time. Okay. Uh, what would you like to tell people about how they can get a hold of you? Like, where are the best places? Uh, any place where you're, any websites you want to give us? Oh, Facebook, yeah, we're, uh, well, I'm at, um, on Facebook, I'm at Bruno J. Navarro Soma. Uh, so that's, that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Uh, I think you reached out to me yeah. through there and a couple of other uh, neighborhood associations have. Great. As well. Um, Do you have I mean, a website up? I'm still in the process of putting together the website. Sure. Um, so that'll, you know, I'll uh, I'll put that on the Facebook page eventually. Because I understand not every reader's on Facebook. And, yeah. you know, if we're talking about accessibility to all, like, we need to have, obviously, things off Facebook. Right. But, right. Uh, but it, recognizing that that's how people communicate, that's, you know, that's an important part, too. That's great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And um, so we're going to wrap up our interview. And so there you have it. That was my interview with Bruno J. Navarro. As I mentioned, please make some time to get informed about the candidates. You can go on our Village Green website and find out about the candidates through their candidate um profiles and you should keep an eye out for any other events that are coming up that candidates are doing meet and greets i feel that meet and greets are a great way to talk to a candidate up close and personal and get to know them better most of the candidates have a facebook 
Facebook page or an Instagram page and they list their events there. So definitely get informed and figure out who you're going to vote for. Um, This has been Danielle Parana and I'd love for you to engage with me on Facebook, Instagram, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about what you think are the most pressing problems in the school districts and, you know, um, how you're trying to figure out who you're going to vote for. What are some of the things that you've done? Love to hear about that. So see you on Instagram, Facebook, and um, I love answering your responses, your comments, and also your messages. So thanks so much, and I hope that you have a great weekend.